everyone. Welcome to Kaya's English podcast. My name is Kaya, and you're listening to the very first episode of Kaya's English podcast. That is amazing, isn't it? You're listening to the very first episode of my podcast. Let's get started. In this very first episode, I'm going to tell you mainly two things. And the first thing that I'm going to talk about is for what? For what purpose am I starting this podcast? What will you get out of my podcast, basically? And secondly, I will introduce myself to you. All right, let's get started. Started. First of all, what is the purpose of Kaya's English podcast? Kaya's English podcast is for intermediate, advanced, and upper advanced learners of English who want to train their listening as well as comprehension skills so that when you listen to my authentic stories, you will be able to learn new vocabulary, new words, new phrases that you didn't know of before. Also, through listening to my stories, sometimes they will be monologues. I will be talking on my own about various topics, about my experiences, and about diverse uh, topics. Also, I will invite guest speakers to my show and I will interview them so that you can get a sample of everyday spoken English that is very natural, that is very informal, and not scripted. So you'll basically have those two types of recordings presented to you in English. Secondly, let's get down to this self-introductions first, right? Introductions, how, where should I begin? I was born on a Friday evening when the clock struck 12. Oh, does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. That was from David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. No, I was not born on a Friday. I was born on a Thursday. <laughs> All right, let's restart. My name is Kaya, and I'm from Japan. I'm Japanese. I know you're thinking, if you're Japanese, why are you speaking English? Just to let you know, a lot of Japanese people also speak English. Well, not many, but some people who have grown up overseas. And that's why I speak English, because I also grew up overseas. I grew up in Canada and Japan. I was bouncing back and forth like a ping pong ball between Ottawa, which is the capital city of Canada on the eastern coast of North America, and Tokyo, which is on, which is on the other side of the globe. And Tokyo also happens to be the capital city of Japan. Growing up between these different cultures gave me a sense of intercultural understanding. In Japan, I had Japanese friends, I went to a local Japanese school, I spoke Japanese with my parents, friends, and teachers. When I lived in Canada, I went to a local school and I spoke English with my friends, teachers, and parents. And we also learned a little bit of French, because people also speak French in some parts of Canada, especially Quebec, or mainly, I should say, mainly in Quebec. And growing up between these two very different cultures gave me the 
skills, the mindset, the ability to adapt to and hopefully understand the different cultures and ways of life that exist around the world. For example, I remember that when I first got off the airplane in Canada, that was when I was six years old, I remember experiencing a huge culture shock because everyone there were from different places, people from Europe, people from India, Africa, Asia, everyone had different ethnic backgrounds, religions, beliefs, and cultures. And that's a good thing. In Japan, 20 years ago, when I was very little, you mostly saw Japanese people everywhere. Today, it's becoming more globalized and a little bit more multi-ethnic in Japan. But back then, you mostly saw Japanese people everywhere in Japan. Everyone speaks Japanese in Japan. Well, almost everyone, I should say. Therefore, being thrown into this multi-ethnic environment in Canada was a very good thing for me. And it's a good thing that I experienced it in my childhood. At school in Canada, I had friends who were Anglo-Saxon, friends who, were, who had Irish heritage, friends whose parents had emigrated to Canada from Colombia. I had very close friends, and I'm still friends with them, whose parents had emigrated to Canada from the Ukraine because they had to flee after the Chernobyl incident. I also had friends whose parents had come from Slovakia, from China, from all over the world. And being in this multicultural environment made me aware that there are many different types of people in the world, many different ways of thinking, different cuisines, different clothes, different, different worldviews. And we can all have our own worldview, and that's fine. We just need to accept that there are other people who have different ways of living, and everyone is beautiful in their own way. Therefore, growing up in Canada and Japan, I received my education half six years in English and six years in Japanese, which means that I grew up bilingual. I can speak Japanese and English. Also, when I entered university in Tokyo, I started learning Russian. And I've been studying Russian for the past 12 years, so I can also speak Russian. I went to a university in Tokyo, and the faculty that I was in taught courses both in English and Japanese, which meant that I got a bilingual education at college, and that was very good. I studied area studies, philosophy, politics, Russian literature, and Russian language. In my third year of college, I spent a year abroad studying Russian at Lomonosov Moscow State University in Moscow, Russia. That was also an extremely valuable experience for me because Russia is also different from Japan and Canada. There I experienced a different kind of culture shock. People's way of life there is different, the buildings are different, the way people act is different. There as well, I experienced another huge culture shock. After completing my university studies at undergraduate level, I got a master's in Russian studies and politics at Oxford University in the UK. I spent a year living in the UK. Hmm, what do you think of when you hear the UK? Probably most of you are thinking Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Watership Down, 
Peter Rabbit, right? And I totally agree with you. That's what I think of when I think of the UK. Alohomora, Wingardium Leviosa, Platform 9 in three quarters. Because I had read all these fantasy books, like everyone else, in my childhood, I felt like I already knew the UK before I even went there in person. When I landed in London, I was thinking, I know you, London. When I went to Oxford, I was like, I know you, Oxford. I've seen you in some Harry Potter movies. <laughs> I felt like I already knew the country. It shows how much literature, pop culture, and written language can influence people around the world. It's very good advertisement, actually. Actually, British people say advertisement. Americans say advertisement. Mm, either, either is fine. It just shows how culture is a great way to advertise your country to people living in other places. The same can be said about anime. When I meet people overseas, when I make friends abroad, and I say I'm from Japan, people always say, I love anime, or I've seen that anime, I've seen that Hayao Miyazaki film, and I love it. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> it just shows that soft culture, pop culture, literature, animes, films can advertise your country in a very good, positive light. And that's also a good thing, unless it's done for a political purpose, and then that's not good. After getting my master's degree at Oxford, I returned to Japan and I worked as an English teacher and also as a Japanese English interpreter in Tokyo. I taught English to various people, for instance, business people, people in the entertainment industry, people who want to learn English for fun, for travel, etc. I also worked for a while at a university office in Japan as a promotions PR assistant. In 2018, I went on board Peace Boat and traveled around the world twice on this huge ship as a volunteer interpreter between Japanese and English. Most of you are thinking right now, what is Peace Boat? Is that the name of a huge cruise ship? Is that the name of a spaceship? Is that the name of an alien? Uh, oh, well, you're close. Uh, almost. Peace Boat is a Japanese NGO. NGO stands for Non-Governmental Organization. Peace Boat charters several ships to cruise around the world with about 1,500 passengers per voyage per ship, taking these passengers to many different countries and ports around the world and giving them tours to World Heritage sites. What makes Peace Boat interesting, what makes it unique, is that on top of these tours and these cruises, they, 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 there are also a lot of workshops and lectures and seminars that are going on on board the ship every day of the cruise. There are guest speakers who are invited onto the ship to give lectures about the countries they are from so that the passengers can learn a little bit about the countries that they are going to on the ship. Also, the passengers themselves, as well as the volunteer staff, including myself, and the Peace Boat staff, organize their own workshops about any topic that you can think of, from the SDGs to fishing to politics to culture 
to Coca-Cola, whatever topic you would like or you're interested in, you can organize an event or a workshop about it on Peace Boat. And most probably minimum 20, maximum 1,000 people will show up to listen to you. I remember on my first voyage on Peace Boat, I organized an event about Eastern Europe because I had lived in Russia and I wanted to introduce Russia to the passengers. And some of my friends who were also volunteer staff on the ship, they had lived or they were from Eastern Europe, such as Poland, the Czech Republic and Slovakia. So we decided to organize a big workshop about Eastern Europe. And each one of us introduced the country that we had been to or where we were from. And guess how many passengers showed up to listen to us? Mm. How many of you think two people? How many of you think 20 people? How many of you think 200 people? How many of you think 2,000 people? Oh, yeah. Oh, nah, stupid me, 2,000. <laughs> I just told you there were 1,500 people on the ship. How can there be 2,000 people, right? There were no, I mean, there, there were only 1,500 people on board. Maybe, yeah, maybe there were 2,000 people. Maybe there were 500 ghosts on board. We just didn't see them. Hmm. Some rooms on Peace Boat were haunted, so it's possible. All right, what's your answer? Give me your answer. Two. 20 or 200? The answer is 200. 200 people showed up to listen to us give a lecture slash workshop. It was really fun and overwhelming, to be honest. It was the first time in my life that I had spoken in front of such a large audience. In addition, when guest speakers were giving their lectures, I was interpreting for them. Uh, me, as well as the other interpreters, there were about 20 or 30 of us. We were interpreting for uh, these guest speakers from Japanese to English or from English to Japanese. And we were interpreting sometimes consecutively, sometimes simultaneously in front of 500, sometimes even 1,000 uh, listeners, uh, uh, passengers. We learned so much from the guest speakers. Many of them were activists, professors, scholars, human rights activists, artists, musicians, painters, politicians, and any, anyone who's doing a great job in their field. Some of the guest speakers were also quite famous. I felt very excited interpreting for famous people. <laughs> Moreover, on the ship, there were other entertainment facilities, such as a pool, jacuzzis, a tennis court, a basketball court, a huge onsen. An onsen is the Japanese word for a spa, a communal bath, a disco room, and also a karaoke room. I remember one of my friends, she was a passenger. She said that her room was underneath the karaoke room, which means that when she was trying to go to sleep at night, she could hear people singing and screaming and dancing. Obviously, some of the people singing in the karaoke room were drunk and she couldn't go to sleep. She would be lying in her bed and the ship would be rocking and she would be thinking, I want to go to sleep, but I can't go to sleep because people are singing and screaming above me in the karaoke room. <laughs> Poor lady. <laughs> there were also events such as yoga sessions and um, uh, dance dance classes on the boat. People were dancing while the ship was swaying back and forth. <laughs> 
Very interesting, right? It was an unforgettable experience. I remember one time I went into the communal bath and the ship was rocking back and forth. So I was sitting in the communal bath and I was like, wee, and kind of floating up and down, up and down. There was also a communal bath. Of course, it was divided into men's and women's sections that was located in the open air, an open air bath. And sitting in that open air bath, I looked out and I saw the Indian Ocean just a few meters beneath me. I could see the waves of the ocean, the moonlight glittering on the waves of the sea. It felt very adventurous and romantic. I couldn't believe that I was sitting in a communal bath with bubbling water in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It was surreal. My brain was like, what the? I cannot believe this is happening, but it's happening. Great. <laughs> it was a very memorable experience. I liked peace boat so much that I went on two peace boat voyages and I was on the ocean in total for eight months, circumnavigating the globe twice. On peace boat, I visited about 40 countries. And I had done a lot of traveling before Peace Boat, which means that in total, I've been to over 60 countries around the world. I love traveling. Traveling is part of my DNA. I've been traveling since I was a baby. Or oh, remember that song, I've been dancing since I was born. I've been dancing since I was, I've been dancing since I was 12. That song that features in the movie Billy Elliot. I love that song. I've been, well, I have been dancing too. I love dancing, but I've been traveling since I was, not 12, since I was born. My parents took me on their car and went traveling around Japan. We went to Hokkaido, to Kyushu, and also to many other places. When we were living in Canada, my mother and father drove us on a car across Canada and across the USA. It took us in total one month to cross, to drive from Ottawa all the way over to Vancouver and from Vancouver down into the USA and from there all the way across the USA to New York and back up to Ottawa. That took one month. It was a wonderful trip. I was seven back then. I'll make sure to make an episode about traveling across North America with my parents in my, epi in my podcast. Also, I will definitely talk about Peace Boat and my experiences on Peace Boat in my podcast. After Peace Boat, what did I do? What did I do? Let me remember. I've been through so much that sometimes my brain just stops processing data. Oh, there! yes, of course. In between the two Peace Boat voyages, there were about six, I had about six or about, yeah, five or six months of free time and uh, during that time I worked as an intern at the United Nations in Japan and I also worked as a full-time consultant at the United Nations Development Program UNDP in Japan. There I worked as an SDG consultant. SDG for those of you who don't know stands for the Sustainable Development Goals. They are 17 goals that the United Nations published in 2015. These goals include, for instance, ending poverty, improving the plight of women around the world, protecting the world's oceans, protecting the environment, and so forth. 
these seventeen goals are supposed to be met, are supposed to be achieved by twenty thirty. We have eight years left to achieve the SDGs. <laughs> That's big pressure on you guys, on, on me as well, on on the, on the human race. Why do we humans always make things harder for ourselves? You know, we could just be living in caves without wearing clothes, just hunting food, and we would be much happier. Why do we create things that make us unhappy, like the SDGs? And schools and air pollution and factories. Let's go back to a simple way of life, guys. That would make life so much easier. Simple is best. Just kidding, or not. I worked as an SDG consultant at UNDP. What does that job entail? You might ask. Did I dance in front of the United Nations building? With the SDGs tattoos on my arms, screaming through a microphone and telling passersby, "Please, you guys!" Oh, maybe I was rapping, right? I was rapping the a, a song about the SDGs in front of people in Tokyo. <laughs> that would have been a very cool thing to do. Maybe I'll do that in the future. Back then, I was sitting in an office, very boring, right? What I did was. I helped, or I helped to, or I promoted the SDGs in Japan amongst people from the business sector, people from the government, people from local governments and municipalities, and people from other sectors of the industry to try and and got people thinking about. How to realize and implement the SDGs in their field? After that, as you already know, I went on my second peace boat voyage. After I got off my second peace boat voyage, I started working as an online English teacher at an online prep school for Japanese children living abroad, and I was teaching English, exam English mostly. For example, IELTS, TOEFL, TOEIC, and AKEN. AKEN is a Japanese English exam. I was teaching that to children living in Brazil, Sri Lanka, the USA, Canada, Germany, Belgium, etc., 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 online. While I lived at my parents' cottage near Mount Fuji, my parents' cottage is located in the forest near Mount Fuji. We can see Mount Fuji from our window. I was sitting there amongst the trees, surrounded by. Greenery and wild deer. While I taught exam English to kids living around the world, <laughs> I did that. I did that. That was not a dream. I did that. After that, last year in 2021, I joined JICA's Japan Overseas Cooperation Volunteers Program. That was a very long word. What is JICA? JICA stands for Japan. International Cooperation Cooperation Agency. It's an organization that assists international development in various countries around the world. And the Japan Overseas Cooperation Volunteers Program is just one program out of many programs that they do, where JICA sends Japanese volunteers to developing, or underdeveloped, or semi-developed, or slightly developed, or Something developed countries around the world to help develop the country and its people. That sounds very condescending, doesn't it? It is. I hate being wait. I hate being condescending. Well, I hate it when people are condescending. Why did I join the program then? Because I found a position 
in Uzbekistan, and the position was English teaching. And I thought, "Ooh, this sounds cool. I want to go to Uzbekistan. I want to teach English," which is why I applied and I got in, and which is why I am here in Uzbekistan right now. I'm living in Tashkent, which is the capital city of Uzbekistan right now. I'm gonna live here for the next two years. I'm gonna be teaching English at a local school. Tashkent is a very convenient city, at least for me, because people here speak Russian and Uzbek. I know Russian well, as you already know. I've been studying here forever, and I also lived in Moscow when I was a student. And Uzbek, I started learning Uzbek seven months ago, and it's a pretty easy language to learn. And I can speak some Uzbek now as well, so it's very comfortable living here. I love the Soviet architecture in the city. The food is very good, especially plov. And Lakman. I will talk about Uzbekistan and Tashkent and Uzbek cuisine in my episodes on my podcast very soon. So stay tuned. I have been in Uzbekistan for a few months now. As I already said, the culture here is very mixed. There are Russians and Uzbeks and Tajiks. And Koreans,、uh, local Koreans, living here. It's a very multi-ethnic society, because it used to be part of the Russian Empire and later the Soviet Union. Why are there Koreans here? You might ask. That's because the Koreans who were living on the territory of the the Soviet Union in parts of what is now Russia during the Soviet Union, they were deported to Central Asia by Stalin. During World War Two, because Stalin said, "Oh, Koreans look like Japanese people, and what if there are Japanese spies among them? We won't be able to tell, so we'll just send all the Koreans, the Koreans who are living on our territory, to Central Asia, which is a very mean and racist thing to do." <laughs> But Stalin did it, and that is why there are many local、uh, Koreans who can speak Russian. Some of them can speak Uzbek. Living in Kyrgyzstan and also in Kazakhstan and also here in in Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan is located in the very heart of Central Asia. It's surrounded by Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, and Tajikistan. The Silk Road used to pass through this area. Therefore, there are very famous ancient cities. Here in Uzbekistan, located along what used to be the Silk Road, for example, Samarkand and Bukhara. I'm sure some of you have heard those names, and those ancient jewels of the Silk Road are here in Uzbekistan, and I can't wait to go visit them. Here in Uzbekistan, you you feel like you're in Russia. No, yeah, yeah, some here it feels like a mix of Russia and and mid the Middle East. <laughs> you see. A typical Soviet building, like a, like a huge concrete building, and next to it you see a mosque that looks like something out of Aladdin. <laughs> It's a very interesting combination, interesting mix. Last but not least, let me tell you about my hobbies. I love learning foreign languages. I love skiing, skating, and rock climbing at rock climbing gyms. I love swimming. I love painting. I enjoy walking and traveling, and also making friends and watching movies on Netflix, of course. Where else? Oh, maybe also on YouTube. What else? Of course, I need to tell you why I decided to start this podcast. 
And the reason is because I love listening to podcasts. Right now, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts in Russian when I'm cooking or when I'm doing the laundry or when I'm cleaning the house. And listening to podcasts in Russian has helped me improve my Russian skills, my listening skills, and my speaking skills. And I thought, why not start a similar kind of podcast in English for English learners? I felt like I was getting so much out of these Russian podcasts. I felt like I had to. Kind of pay pay it forward, pay it back. I'm to、uh, an audience of English learners. By the way, my favorite podcasts in Russian are Russian with Dasha, Russian Connection, and Russian Twist. These podcasts are also targeted at intermediate, advanced, and upper advanced learners of Russian. And I wanted to do something along those lines. You know, natural spoken English for intermediate, advanced, and upper advanced learners. That is what I'm doing right now. Here I am. Thank you so much for listening. And in the next episode, episode two, I will talk about my travels on peace boat around the world. The episode is going to be titled "Around the World in 100 Days." So stay tuned. Thank you so much, folks, for listening to me. And I will see you soon in the next episode. Have a wonderful day.